All right, everybody. It is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023, 523-23. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. <laughs> I'm Mosh Wanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Mosh, let's not bury the lead here. I understand you and Alex have some big news. We do. We do. Uh, in fact, we've buried the news for a number of months until we were ready <laughs> to tell everybody. But uh, very exciting. Uh, we are expecting Alex is pregnant and due in September. Mosh, get ready. It is the best of times. It is the worst of times. <laughs> is that what Dickens was writing about? <laughs> no, it's really the best job in the world. It's the hardest job in the world. It's rewarding. It's challenging. But it's it's awesome. It is the best thing ever. I'm very excited, Jill. And by the way, I should I should say this week I turned 41, right? And so uh, my parents have certainly been waiting a while. Though, <laughs> as I mentioned on the Mother's Day broadcast, my brother has three children. They're kind of like Moshe. Come on. Uh, but to Alex's credit, we got married just under two years ago, and she's like, "Let's travel a bit. Like, well, let's live our lives for a little bit before we get started." And uh, and so here we find ourselves, and uh, very excited. We're She's. She, I, I keep saying we. She is five months in, uh, and uh, you know we'll have the summer, and then I guess life 2.0 starts in the fall, huh? Say goodbye to your free time, whatever free time you have. Jill, why does everyone have to be so negative? Why does everyone have to be so negative about parenting? Normally, you and I are texting back and forth throughout the day, but you made this announcement early this morning. So I feel like you were just so inundated <laughs> with messages. <laughs> I, you were like radio silent. I'm like him. I was just thinking that you and Alex were probably um, just overwhelmed by by well wishes from people. The response has been amazing. Uh, we obviously we told, uh, well, Jill, you were in the know. Uh, we've told family and very close friends. But you know, it's a large community out there. And we wanted to just wait until we were ready. Um, but the outpouring of support has been incredible. I'm so appreciative of all the notes. I promise I'm going to try to get to all of them. But there's a there's probably a 1000 direct messages in my Instagram right now. And uh, I'm just so appreciative. But we have lots of news to get to, I understand, beyond the news in my own life. All right, let's get to some headlines here. Some fake news with real consequences. What happened when a quote-unquote verified Twitter account spread a fake image of an explosion at a government building? Deal or no deal, the latest on debt ceiling negotiations. Jill, why are we even teasing this? We know there's no deal yet. It's, <laughs> they still have a week to go. Plus, we do have a listener question about credit ratings and who gives them. Yes, you guys are using the uh, Mo News uh, 1-800 number, and so we're so grateful, and we are answering one of your questions today. All right, first, Montana banned TikTok, and now TikTok is suing Montana. How will this social media battle end? More fallout from the Donald Trump town hall. Now, E. Jean Carroll is seeking millions of dollars in additional damages against the former president. A deal to protect the Colorado River, which has been plagued by drought. Mexico is on high alert for a potential volcanic eruption near Mexico City. And what Netflix is doing to make it easier to find stuff to watch. Plus, Moshe is on this day in history. Jill, this is a big week to say goodbye to an iconic 90s TV show. So we're going to say goodbye to a couple more of them today. All right, let's start today with some fake news that had some real consequences. A fake image of what was claimed to be an explosion near the Pentagon spread on social media Monday morning. 
with markets fluctuating around the time that the posts appeared online. The image showed a large cloud of black smoke of what verified Twitter users said was next to the Pentagon. That tweet was originally shared on Twitter Monday morning by the user OSINT Defender, a Twitter account that describes itself as a, quote, open source intelligence monitor. The photo was also spread by RT, which is a Russian state media Twitter account that has over 3 million followers. The false reports of the explosion also made their way to air on a major Indian television network. Republic TV reported that an explosion had taken place, showing the fake image on its air, citing the Russian reports. It later retracted the report when it became clear that the incident had not taken place. Another Twitter account that tweeted the image was a verified account with a blue check that was impersonating a Bloomberg news feed. That account, called at Bloomberg Feed, was suspended hours later. Under Elon Musk, Twitter has allowed anyone to obtain a verified account in exchange for a monthly payment. And as a result, Twitter verification is no longer an indicator that an account represents who it claims to represent. Mosh, the domino effect here is so clear and pretty scary. Yeah, sort of reminds me of Anchorman. That escalated quickly. And so what you have here is the ramifications of AI plus, you know, unverified Twitter or pay for check Twitter equaling potential issues here. And we should add that following that fake Pentagon photo, there was another image circulating on Twitter of a building purported to be the White House that also had black smoke over it. So this thing escalates very quickly in the moments after that image began circulating on Twitter, again, from that verified account that looked like a real Bloomberg News account because that person paid for it ostensibly under the new Twitter rules. The U.S. stock market immediately took a noticeable dip. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell about 80 points between 10.06 a.m. and 10.10 a.m. It then recovered within minutes. At the same time, the broader S&P 500 index also went from being up at 10.06 to down at 10.09 a.m. So there were a few precarious minutes there as the market traders felt or thought that that was a real photo. Again, the S&P average recovers just a couple minutes later. But it does show here that there are real-life consequences. When we talk about market being down, stocks being down, you're talking about millions or billions of dollars being impacted here by this fake news. Or imagine, Mosh, that you had a loved one who worked at the Pentagon or near one of these buildings. Oh, it's a it's an exact repeat. It felt like a repeat for just a couple of moments there of 9-11, right? When a, when a plane hit the Pentagon. Now, for those of you in the know, if you looked at the photo, the image, the building in the image, doesn't that closely resemble the Pentagon. Now, the caption said Pentagon, verified Twitter account. You see smoke. And, you know, you kind of think it is. Now, if you look closely at the photo, you're like, well, that doesn't exactly match the Pentagon there. At the same time, though, doesn't matter because when you have the stock trading or if you're concerned, you see the caption, you're making that phone call or you're trading that stock and then algorithms go off of that. So there's a financial impact, the human impact. And uh, again, this is a combination now of AI, uh, the lack of standards at Twitter. And this is not the first time. Last year, we saw a fake Pfizer account, an Eli Lilly account with a verified check because the person paid for it because that's the way it works with Twitter now. The uh, account promised free insulin. So that led the company to actually have to come out and say, no, 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 that's a fake account. We're not offering free insulin. 
Uh, there was the more harmless example recently of the Pope in a puffy jacket, a Balenciaga puffy jacket. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that was look, funny. That was funny, and it looked real. Uh, we talked recently about the fake photos of Trump being arrested and running away from the cops. Again, some people believed those photos. Uh, if you were looking for yet another reason not to just reshare something that seems crazy on social media, here's yet another uh, piece of evidence to take a pause on this stuff, folks. Uh, but this is concerning. One person, by the way, asked me on, on Instagram, like, is this illegal? Could this person be arrested for this? I go, well, first of all, figure out who that person is. And I don't know that there's a law necessarily against it at this point. And that's why this stuff is so new. They haven't figured out how to regulate it or uh, pass laws against it. All right, let's go down to the latest high stakes talks to prevent the nation from defaulting on its debt. President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy held an Oval Office meeting last night as negotiators worked to get back on track on reaching some type of debt ceiling deal that could pass both the Republican-led House and the Democratic-led Senate by midweek next week. Key to the talks is setting a top-line government spending level for the next year and then deciding how long to lift the debt ceiling until having to raise it again meaning, unfortunately, that we could be right back here again pretty soon. Jill, rest assured, we will be back here pretty soon, if I know <laughs> this, if, we, if we've covered this government long enough. The two sides are aiming to reach a deal by June 1st, next Thursday, when the Treasury Department estimates that the U.S. could run out of money to pay all of its bills, leading to a first-ever default. Biden and McCarthy held what is their first one-on-one in-person discussion since February, and the president said he was optimistic that they could make progress. Biden added, quote, we both know that we have a significant responsibility. After the meeting, McCarthy said that, quote, it was a productive discussion, but we don't have an agreement yet. So to answer your question earlier, Jill, no deal. (laughs) So the White House here is accusing Republicans of being unreasonable in the negotiations, uh, pushing partisan proposals that have little chance of winning approval from both chambers. Meanwhile, you have the Republicans who say that Biden waited until May to actually engage in negotiations, and the White House is not doing enough to cut spending from their vantage point. Republicans want to cap spending in future years. Uh, Democrats, again, declined to negotiate Uh, We've talked about this on this podcast for a while. They said the debt ceiling has been raised 100 times over 100 years. You did it cleanly for Trump. We did it cleanly uh, for other presidents. We should be able to do this with no strings attached. This is the debt rating. This is the credit rating for the American government. Republicans say, no, no, no. We have to stop the spending somewhere, even if it's for the future, even if this debt ceiling increase is not about future bills, but current bills. And so Biden has said that he would like to work to narrow the deficit with some tax increases on the wealthy. Well, Republicans say any tax increases, no matter how much the people make, are completely off the table. They care more about spending cuts. So keep in mind, while we talk about this deadline next Thursday, a deal needs to really be reached this week to have time to pass through Congress. There's a new rule that the Republican majority in the House requested, required this year, that gives House lawmakers 72 hours to read a bill. That rule was put into place at the beginning of this Congress as part of the agreement to get have McCarthy be speaker. Prior to that, by the way, you could drop a bill on the floor, hundreds of pages, and require people to vote on it immediately. And Republicans said, no, no, we should have time to read it. Well, what that means is the clock is set earlier than Thursday, because they have to give time to read it, give time for potential amendments, uh, give time for potential additional negotiation. And so That's what's happening. Keep in mind, next week's Memorial Day week. Congress was set to be on recess, as Congress takes often. And uh, McCarthy's saying, no, well, we know we have a job to do. 
And so I will require everyone to stick around to pass this if we can get a deal. Moshe, on the issue of the debt ceiling, we do have a question from one of our Mo News listeners. It came to us on our voicemail line. A reminder, of course, that you could leave us a question by dialing 1-800-711-MOSH, M-O-S-H. Uh, here is the question from John all about the credit rating and what it will mean if we do default. Hey, Motion Jill. My name is John. I'm from Rochester, New York. Uh, I had a question about uh, with the, all the uh, debt limit stuff going on. I keep hearing that we could have the country's credit rating decreased or hurt or, you know, a bunch of different terms that sound bad. Uh, every time I hear that, I just can't help but think, okay, what organization is is issuing that credit rating. All right. I love this. John, thank you for the question. Thanks to all of you who are leaving us voicemails, by the way. We try to get to as many as we can. So uh, to begin the answer here, there are a number of agencies out there that issue credit ratings, what's called sovereign credit ratings for governments. Uh, So there's multiple ones out there, but the most influential ones, you might recognize their names, are Standard & Poor's, or the S&P, Moody's, and Fitch. They're considered the three most influential agencies. They also, by the way, the reason why you're familiar with them, they also rate publicly traded companies in addition to countries. And they'll issue a credit rating on a country based on the likelihood that a government might be unable or unwilling to meet its debt obligations. This is typically a big issue among developing countries, uh, and those countries will fight for higher credit ratings because they want investment in their countries. They each have different standards here, but for example, I'll talk about Standard & Poor's for a second, S&P. If they give you a BBB minus or higher rating, that means your country is investment grade, meaning, hey, investors, hey, companies, invest in a country. Grades of BB plus or lower are deemed to be speculative or junk grade. So there's a number of countries that are junk grade. Uh, They'll argue that these rating systems are unfair. Uh, For example, S&P gave Argentina a CCC minus grade in 2019. Basically, don't invest in Argentina. Its neighbor, Chile, has an A-plus rating, meaning invest in Chile. Fitch has a similar system. Uh, So does Moody's. The reason why this is hyper-relevant is we keep talking about the U.S. credit rating. And the last time we had a debt ceiling fight that went to the edge like this, back in 2011, Republican House, Obama is president, Democratic president, the S&P actually announced a decision to downgrade U.S. sovereign debt for the first time ever. It reduced our rating, by the way, from AAA, which is outstanding, to AA+, which is still excellent. At the same time, though, it was a downgrade. And it came even though they were able to avert a debt default. We should note they never raised it back up because they see this instability in the U.S. government. And so there's a concern that we could get downgraded again. By their own standards, credit agencies say debt with lower ratings should pay a higher interest rate. So this has financial ramifications for us as a country, for us as taxpayers, meaning when we sell our debt, which is how we grow as a country, right? We, we basically fund the country off of debt. That means that when Japan buys our debt or domestic uh, buyers buy our debt, about 75% of our debt is, is issued here domestically. That means that the U.S. government will have to pay a higher interest rate in the future. And that's not good right? Higher interest rates. Nobody wants to pay higher interest rates. That means we can take out less principal. Uh, We have more to pay back. And so that's the big concern here is that one of these credit rating agencies, the big three, will uh, continue to downgrade U.S. credit given how we're playing uh, up until the wire here 
with our uh, debt. And by the way, they take other things into account, even overall instability of the U.S. government, things like January 6th, given how things can't get done. So there's a lot of factors that go in here. And so, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's a concern here is that if we continue to do this sort of thing, that uh, bottom line, the U.S. will, you know, gradually see its credit rating go down. All right, John, thank you for that call. And a reminder to everyone out there, call us, ask us questions. Mosh will totally answer them. No, <laughs> <laughs> no Jill's got them. We've joked about 1-800-711-JILL, where you could just ask questions about Seinfeld and friends. And Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> there are some topics that I am very well versed on, but um, debt ratings and, and this stuff, I will happily cede to Mosh. All right, we've got a lot of news to get to, including today's speed read. But first, we want to tell you about a couple exclusive offers for Mo News listeners and thank a couple of our partners this week. We want to start right now with our partner, Bolin Branch Sheets. They're a brand that helps you get an amazing night's sleep. They have a great sale right now for the Mo News community, specifically for Memorial Day, which I'll tell you about in a second. Uh, first, Bolin Branch Sheets are made with 100% traceable organic cotton. They get softer with every wash. Jill, we were just talking before the pod. You need some more sheets. I do, Mosh, and I happen to love our Bolin Branch sheets. And like they say, they really do get softer with every wash. So the longer that we have them, the more we like them. Jill, you're not alone. Millions of people have bought the sheets, including apparently four American presidents have used Bolin Branch sheets as well. So let's get to the deal here. You can get 20% off your first order this Memorial Day weekend when you use the promo code, what else? Mo News, M-O-N-E-W-S, over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code Mo News. Starting this Thursday, you can get a free striped beach towel uh, ready for Memorial Day weekend and the rest of your summer with your purchase for a limited time only. That begins on Thursday. And that's, of course, while supplies last. Exclusions do apply. See site for details. All right, now to Athletic Greens. I have been drinking their AG1 supplements in the morning. The Athletic Greens AG1 powder, it's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It is easy and quick and lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. It also has pre and probiotics to support digestion and gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Visit athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of the offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription or try it one time for just a month. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal and really start to take ownership of your health. Time now for the speed read from Politico. TikTok on Monday sued to block Montana's new law banning downloads of the app claiming that it violates the company's First Amendment protections. The lawsuit comes just days after Montana Governor Greg Gianforte signed that law to ban app stores from offering TikTok in Montana starting on January 1st, 2024. The governor said the law protects citizens from foreign influence by the Chinese Communist Party since TikTok is owned by Beijing-based ByteDance. App stores that continue to offer the app after that January 1st deadline will face penalties starting at $10,000. TikTok filed the complaint in the U.S. District Court for the District of Montana. TikTok is represented by Covington and Burling. That is the same firm that represented the company in its previous lawsuit 
that successfully stopped the Trump administration's attempt to ban the app nationwide in 2020. In that case, a judge ruled that the president exceeded his authority to use emergency economic powers to block the app. So this ban in Montana, Jill, has already faced complaints that it's not realistic. Like, how do you geofence Montana? Also, if you're a user, you can download this before next January. No penalties for users. You can leave the state and download it. Uh, Also, if you're traveling outside the state, from outside the state, you're not a Montana resident, but you come to Montana, do you have to be eligible for this? And even so, next January in the state, can you use a virtual private network, a VPN, to get around the ban? So there's been a lot of questions as to the practicality of the ban. And here you have TikTok going to the legality here. So this complaint by TikTok alleges that this new Montana law violates the company's constitutionally protected rights to disseminate and promote third-party speech. It also claims that the ban is preempted by federal law as foreign affairs and national security are exclusively matters controlled by the federal government. So they say here the states had no power to do this. Additionally, they say that this law violates the Commerce Clause of the Constitution, which bans states from enacting laws that put undue burden on interstate commerce. And then on top of that, the complaint claims Montana's law illegally singles out TikTok for punitive measures. So it's clear that TikTok is pretty much trying everything, saying that this basically violates everything and everything you ever thought of. (laughs) The kitchen sink strategy. It's the kitchen sink legal strategy here, being like, judge, here's like 7 million reasons why this is not legal. (laughs) Just choose one of them, please. So Montana, we should remind folks, has a population of 1.1 million. It is the first state to fully ban the app. Uh, Right now, nearly half of America has TikTok, about 150 million monthly users. But states until now have been banning it on government-issued devices. But Montana went a step further, saying we're going to ban it for everybody. At the federal level, Congress has multiple bills ranging from a ban, a federal ban, to giving the executive uh, additional authority here. That's one of the reasons the Trump administration lost the case to TikTok and his law firm before. His judges said, actually, the White House doesn't have the authority to do this. So there has been talk in Congress of uh, changing the law to give the president the ability to do this. And yet Congress has not acted here, even though you have interesting bedfellows here. You have conservative Republicans, you have progressive Democrats, all coming out uh, for a ban here or more limits on TikTok. And so it'll be interesting to see how this uh, winds its way through the courts, because this is the newest example of whether a TikTok ban is legal in America. From NBC News, writer E. Jean Carroll on Monday asked a judge to update her still pending original defamation lawsuit against former President Trump to add a new claim after he trashed her as a, quote, whack job during his CNN town hall earlier this month. In a court filing late Monday, an attorney for Carol said that she will be seeking a very substantial punitive damages award because of Trump's remarks. Trump made the comments a day after a federal court jury in New York already found that he was liable for sexually abusing Carol in a Manhattan department store in the 1990s and then defaming her for calling her claims fraud. The jury initially awarded Carol $5 million in damages According to the complaint, Trump complained about the verdict on his social media platform, Truth Social, shortly afterwards, and then went on a tirade about Carol during a CNN town hall the next night. So she's already been awarded $5 million, Jill. She's going for more now because she's like, well, he's defamed me more, so I deserve 
more in the way of damages. According to the filing during the exchange on CNN, Trump falsely stated again that he did not sexually abuse Carol. He had no idea who Carol was and that Carol's now proven accusation was fake, made up and created by a quote unquote whack job. This conduct supports a very substantial punitive damages award in Carol's favor, both to punish Trump and to deter him from engaging in further defamation and to deter others from this. A Trump lawyer has already responded, saying in a statement that Ms. Carroll's 11th hour attempt to amend her complaint exposes the true motivation behind her numerous lawsuits. So it appears she feels here that the $5 million fine is not deterring Trump. And every time that he says something further to defame her, she's going to keep going for more. From the Associated Press, the seven states that rely on the Colorado River for power and drinking water have reached a deal on cuts to keep the drought-stricken river flowing. Three states, Arizona, California, and Nevada, have agreed on a plan to conserve at least 3 million acre-feet of water by 2026. Jill, can we help give people a sense of what 3 million (laughs) acre-feet is? (laughs) Okay, so that is roughly the equivalent to the amounts of water that it would take to fill 6 million Olympic-sized swimming pools. Jill, I love your back-of-the-envelope math there. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) So the Biden administration helped broker this agreement. The seven states that rely upon the Colorado River were on the precipice of crisis after decades of overuse. Before a banner winter of snowfall, officials did grow concerned as dams at Lake Mead and Lake Powell neared what's considered dead pool status. That is when flow would be cut off to lower regions of the river as water levels dropped too low to pass through the dams. Now they have a temporary reprieve, but it comes after a 20-year drought in much of the West. About 40 million people rely on the Colorado River for drinking water. Utilities depend upon it to generate electricity at dams on Lake Mead and Lake Powell and keep power flowing in several states. So, Jill, there's been a lot of rain and uh, snow this winter, which is that temporary reprieve. But uh, many experts say that basically it's a reprieve of just a few months here. So these conversations needed to continue to happen urgently. So this deal averts a near-term crisis and puts the states on a more sustainable track when it comes to water use, particularly those of you in California and Arizona. Uh, who are criticized for using uh, so much of the Colorado River. But it does call for less conservation in this deal that some scientists say is required to stabilize the river after more than two decades. This was an urgent situation because the White House was going to step in and basically say, all right, states, you can't come up with a deal. We'll come up with one for you, and it's not going to be pretty. So after uh, the Biden administration laid down the law there, it appears the pace of the conversations uh, quickened, And they were able to come up with a deal for each state to cut some of its water usage. The river has been overallocated for years, meaning a number of the states have rights to more water than what actually flows. And this goes back to the 1920s. I mean, we've been talking about this for more than 100 years now, not me, but them, uh, in what's called the Colorado River Compact. But the effects of climate change here, which is heating and drying the Colorado Basin, is squeezing this water supply much tighter. From CNN, millions of people in Mexico have been warned to prepare for a possible evacuation after increased activity from the country's most dangerous active volcano, which has been spewing ash into several nearby towns since last week, according to authorities. Ash from the Popocatapetl volcano, which is in a central part of the country, 
has delayed flights in Mexico City and led authorities to close schools in dozens of municipalities. It's considered one of the most dangerous volcanoes in the world. That's because about 25 million people live in a 60-mile radius of the volcano, which is southeast of Mexico City. On Sunday, authorities increased its volcanic threat level to yellow phase three, which calls on about 3 million people who live in towns and villages adjacent to the volcano to stay alert and prepare for a possible evacuation. They warned of greater volcanic activity and the dispersion of ash into several nearby towns at high speed. It is also recommended that residents nearby avoid outdoor activities. So the population around Mexico City, Jill, is just over 22 million, which is why they're so concerned about this. In the case of the core part of Mexico City, the main risk is ashfall, but still concerning, especially for those who are elderly or uh, young children, etc., breathing that air. Already, Mexico City's international airport was temporarily closed over the weekend on Saturday. Some flights were delayed yesterday due to the presence of the ash. State authorities have also suspended in-person schools nearby the volcano. The U.S. Embassy has put out an alert recommended that people do not travel within seven and a half miles of the volcano. This volcano was dormant for decades until it erupted in 1994. In the year 2000, there was a major eruption again that prompted the evacuation of 50,000 people. Since then, its rumblings have become a daily part of life there. But this does bear close watching, especially given its vicinity again to such a large population center. And now a quick update for Netflix that we're learning about from The Verge. Netflix is making improvements to its My List feature so that you can more easily sort through the shows and movies that you've bookmarked. Starting first on Android, you'll be able to filter your list by movies and TV shows some that you haven't started or that you've started, and sort by options like when you added something to your list, release dates, and alphabetically, the new tools should be pretty handy depending on how much of a bookmarker you might be. The sorting options could be a really clutch way to sift through the potentially many things that you've added to the list. This will roll out first on Android beginning this week, and it will come to iOS over the next few weeks. This is if you watch uh, Netflix on your mobile device, but uh, certainly with just the amount of content there, Jill, this should be helpful to people. Uh, They are also uh, reportedly coming out with a new coming soon row to the home screen of your TV version of the app. The coming soon row will be a useful tool to learn what new shows are coming up, uh, movies coming up with the date attached to them, again, based on the algorithm of what you've watched before. So you'll start to get a sense. I mean, we try it weekly on the podcast every Friday to give you a sense of what's going on. (laughs) We are by no means comprehensive uh, whatsoever. And so there is some big new stuff coming out. The sixth season of Black Mirror, the first chunk of The Witcher's third season. So there's a lot of things you might want that reminder bell for. I feel like my Netflix is in total disarray, but I don't watch on a mobile device. I really only watch on a, an actual TV. So this isn't, yeah, yeah, this isn't really helpful for me. All right. Well, I'm sorry to have wasted your time <laughs> with it, Joe. <laughs> okay. Some gossip to end our speed read from the New York Post, page six. Amazon head Jeff Bezos and his girlfriend Lauren Sanchez are engaged. The pair are currently in the south of France for the Cannes Film Festival, where they have been hitting the star-studded party circuit while staying on his $500 million yacht. (laughs) And Mosh, on that yacht, there is a mermaid resembling Sanchez. And as I was putting the story together or said, should we even do this story? You were like, yes, but you have to mention the mermaid and the yacht. 
<laughs> that was your requirement. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but uh, it's uh, getting a lot of attention. They're like, did he design a custom mermaid that looks like his girlfriend, I guess now fiance, to be on his $500 million yacht? Well, it appears so. I'll let you guys Google the photos yourself. By the way, it's not just page six here. Uh, People has it. uh, TMZ has it. A few few other sources. But we thought this was fun and also relevant. Jeff Bezos is the founder of Amazon. He's the third richest man in the world, though him and Elon Musk go back and forth for second place there. So you might have been following this for a while now. News first broke that Sanchez, who was a former uh, local reporter in L.A., uh, and Bezos were first a couple back in 2019. They kept a pretty low profile until his divorce of his wife of 25 years, Mackenzie Scott, was finalized. Uh, Bezos, by the way, is 59 years old. Sanchez is 53 years old. From his previous marriage, Bezos has four children uh, with Scott. Uh, she got $38 billion in the divorce settlement. She's pledged half of it to charity. It's something we've talked about a lot, just how um, generous that she's been with the fortune there. It made her the third richest woman in the world with 25% of the joint stock they previously held. Uh, Bezos right now worth approximately $140 billion, uh, continues to maintain interest in uh, Amazon, in the Washington Post, which he bought about 10 years ago, and his space company, Blue Origin. All right, now time for On This Day in History, on this May 23rd. Let's start in 1934, Jill, with Bonnie and Clyde. The notorious American outlaws were killed in a police shootout near Gibsland, Louisiana, 89 years ago. I can't think about these guys without thinking about the Jay-Z, Beyonce, Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Me but too. there is a history here. There's a bunch of documentaries. I actually, I've been meaning to learn more about this duo, et cetera, because I haven't read up on them probably since, I don't, I don't know, junior high, high school. But Bonnie Clyde were officially Clyde Champion Barrow and Bonnie Parker. They were shot to death by federal officers in an ambush in Louisiana on this day after one of the most spectacular uh, manhunts of all time. Barrow had been suspected in numerous killings, was wanted for murder, robbery, state charges of kidnapping. They had met years previous. Bonnie had actually been dating somebody else. She helped Clyde escape from prison. He was put back in prison. Then they went on the run. Uh, The FBI, uh, previously known as the Bureau of Investigation, became interested in them in late December 32. Uh, So this continues about 18 months. At the time, they were killed in 1934. They were believed to have committed 13 murders and several robberies and burglaries. All right, let's fast forward to the year 2000. On this day, May 23rd, 2023 years ago, Eminem released his third studio album, the Marshall Mathers LP. Uh, You might know that album for Stan, Real Slim Shady, uh, The Way I Am. It became the fastest selling album in the history of rap. It's still a great album, Mosh. It stands the test of time, Jill. Uh, Eminem in those first couple of years, uh, I mean, with it, you know, he was Slim Shady, he's Eminem, he's Marshall Mathers with his various aliases. But like those first couple of years when, you know, he got together with uh, Dr. Dre uh, and was discovered there uh, between Slim Shady LP, Mar- Marshall Mathers LP, the Eminem show, uh, pretty remarkable uh, launch to his career. By the way, Jill, not to date ourselves, Eminem is 50 years old. Stop. Stop. I can't. I can't. I can't handle it. All right. It. Well, then you might not like the last couple things I have to tell you on this day, because as we've been talking this week, it's a huge week for 90s TV series finales. Yesterday, we talked about Blossom and Saved by the Bell. And today, we have the following shows we said goodbye to. 29 years ago today, Star Trek Next Generation ended on this day in 1994. And finally, Jill, uh, we said goodbye to this classic show that you may have known uh, as part of your TGI Fridays on ABC. Cue the tape. 
Cut it out, Mosh. Um, I think this may have been peak San Francisco. Was I the only kid who watched that opening and just thought, I want to live there? I just want to live there. I want to drive back and forth on the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I want to have one uncle in the basement and one uncle in the attic. Um, That was Full House, of course, for those of you who don't know the theme song. The finale aired 28 years ago tonight on ABC in 1995 after eight seasons. Uh, They brought it back recently. I don't know. Did you catch Fuller House on Netflix the last couple of years? I didn't. But as you were saying about all the things you wanted to do, I wanted to host a morning show called Wake Up San Francisco. (laughs) Wait, we talked on the Mother's Day episode about how you interviewed uh, your was it your brother and a friend as Marla Maples and Donald yes, Trump? So yes. <laughs> did Full House ever get integrated into your fake TV uh, shows back there in the 90s? It's a great question. I think that we were doing Urkel impressions more than anything back then. Urkel. Uh, Which was Matters. Family Matters. Another, but it was just, another TGI Friday show on ABC. I have just the association with Full House, Family Matters. I just... It's that all step. It's by the whole TJI day by day. <laughs> yeah, step by step, sister, sister, hanging with Mr. Cooper. What do we have? Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Was she also a TJI Friday? I think I don't so. Remember that one, Jill? I I think I obsessively watched all of them. You remember the dinosaurs <laughs> show? I think that. Uh, I think they moved it to another night, but like. I'm the baby. Gotta love me. Remember the dinosaurs? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you right, totally so something have everyone me needs beat. to know about me. Someone everything they need to know about me. I watched so much television as a child. Uh, I think if you watch, if you listen to our Mother's Day podcast, you know that like my parents are working all the time. They both work seven days a week. So Moshe entertained himself with an obsessive amount of television. So there's just like between 1985 and 2000, I can tell you facts about Mr. Belvedere and uh, Growing Pains, a whole bunch of stuff. And I can't somehow get it out of my brain to replace it with more practical, useful information. Mosh, it actually is practical and useful because you use it on this podcast every day. <laughs> I help launch a podcast <laughs> where I can use this information at least one day a year. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Mo News Podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. And just a heads up, we're going to be putting out a special episode of uh, the podcast on the Premium Podcast me interviewing my wife, Alex, all about uh, our pregnancy. We do a gender reveal. We actually found out uh, the gender of our baby while we were recording the podcast. So that's a very oh special moment. Oh my God, so bold move. Get. Yeah, I mean, listen, we might edit it a little bit, but it's the it's the, it's the the moment. It's the actual moment. We decide on the podcast, we're going to find out. Um, so that'll be on the Mo News Premium members only podcast. So make sure to sign up over at Mo.News Premium so you can listen to that episode. Okay, I'm so excited for you and Alex. Uh, such great news. And uh, everybody else, have a great day. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.